everybody. Welcome to the HTO channel. I'm so glad you were able to spend this time with me. So um, we just welcome you. We hope you're excited to walk through this word. I pray that your week has been great. You've been blessed. You feel full. You feel the Lord's presence with you. So with that said, let's just get started. Um, go ahead and just remember to look forward to your time of study with joint expectations. Just go ahead and clear away any distractions. Uh, he says in his word, be still and know that I am God. So let's grab our Bibles, journals, pens, phones, tablets, you know what to do. And let's journey through the word of God together. And so today we're going to be looking at John chapter 15. And in my Bible, the title is Jesus, the true vine. Um, But before we do, there may be some of you under the sound of my voice that are not saved and you are not part of the kingdom. And those of you who are already saved, this just gives you an opportunity to uh, be reminded of what God has done for all of us. And so let's just read together in John 3, 16 through 18, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In John 6, 27 through 40, it reads, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Then Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that hath sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, 
but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so here's your invitation and day. It's based on Romans 10, 9 9 and 10. And it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Acts 2.38 Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So all of you under the sound of my voice, again, if you're saved, this is just practice for you to help get someone else saved. Um, If you're not, just go through these steps. It just says here, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that he raised him, that God raised him from the dead. And it says, with your heart, you believe. And with your mouth, you make the confession. And then, as God leads you, you want to be led to your church home. You're repenting. That means you're changing. You're turning away from your former life, your former way, your way of sin. And you're turning to God. And then as a result... That symbolic representation is when you are baptized or immersed in water by someone at your local church, okay? And so it says again, it's for the remission of sins and why? So you shall receive, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So just repeat after me, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Father, that you have invited me to have a seat at your table. I confess with my mouth that the Lord Jesus came to save me. And I believe in my heart, Father, that you have raised him from the dead. And because of that, I shall also be saved. Father, right now I'm believing with my heart and it's crediting me unto righteousness. God, and I'm making this confession of my salvation. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help me to turn from my former life and turn to you. Help me to turn from the way of sin and turn towards you. And with that, lead me, Father, to my local church, my new home, Father, while I will be discipled and taught. Father, also give me the opportunity to be baptized in water. And this represents my new salvation. I'm doing this, Father, because of the remission of sins that Christ Jesus has paid the price. And because of this, as of this day, I will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So if you have made that confession, the angels are rejoicing with you and so am I. Welcome in to the body of Christ. And so with that said, let's all pray together based on 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. It says, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he had finished, one one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught 
his disciples. So if you'll pray with me, Heavenly Father, we just thank you today. We thank you, Father, for you said that you opened their mind to understand the scriptures. So we're asking right now, Heavenly Father, to give us insight. Father, right now, all those under the sound of my voice, all of us, God, you have a unique word for us all that it's tailor-made for our life and for our situations, God. So I ask that you breathe upon us. Let Christ speak through me. So we bless your holy name today. In Christ's name, amen. And so this is just another opportunity. It says, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So right now in your own way, uh, worshiping, you can worship with music. You can worship by just lifting up your hands, bowing down and worshiping today together. Let's just thank the father for all that he's done. Father, we magnify you. We lift you up. We bless your holy name, God. We make you bigger than our life and we make you bigger than our circumstances. Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. You have exalted him and he's seated at the right hand. Father, he has went beyond the veil, God, and he has reconciled us back unto you. So we worship you. You are worthy of all worship. You are worthy of all honor. You are worthy of all praise. Be glorified today. Be magnified in our lives for it is in Christ's name. We worship you. Come on right now. Just worship the Father. Worship the Father. In spirit of in truth. Worship the Father. Worship the Father. In spirit and truth. Father, receive our worship today in Christ. Amen. John chapter 15. So, verses 1 through 4. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth, that it might bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye, you all, abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I, I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do 
whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. So that will end our reading for John chapter 15. So now that we've read John chapter 15, we're going to go ahead and engage with the Holy Word of God. Remember he said that my word is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. So before we get started, I'm just going to take you through a process to help you in your personal time. A lot of times we find ourselves just reading. We just read, but a lot of times we just read and we forget to, it says to meditate, to chew on, to go over. So here's this process that I'm going to share with you so that when you're reading on your own, you follow that same guideline that you read the entire chapter just to get an idea of what's going on. And then as you go back and read the verses, you will engage and meditate and chew and think on what you've just read. So it says, reading for a revelation of truth, comprehension, and biblical understanding. Before beginning, we already did that, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. So this is what you do. Read the verse. Then after you've read it, check for understanding. Do you even, do you understand what you've read? And then uh, when you, if you don't understand it, allow the Bible to interpret the Bible. Find and compare additional verses or cross-references. It says in 2 Timothy 2.15 that we rightly divide 
the word of truth. So I love Bible apps. I use them all the time. It really just depends on what you are doing. But you really want, sometimes it's good to have that physical Bible. Um, and you really want a Bible or a Bible app where you can have cross references. And you'll see me use one called BibleHub.com um, and Blue Letter Bible. They're pretty good for cross references, or you can find an app for your phone. But cross references will help bring revelation. It will help you also see the whole counsel of God to see what he sees in balance. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's reminded me when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the devil was giving him scriptures, but Jesus had to come back and say, but it is also written. So that's what I'm saying here, that when we read, we go find other scriptures that say, but is also written so that we get the full balance of what he's trying to say. Okay. So, and, and again, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall every word be established. So I take this, even apply this to scripture. Um, that, you know, sometimes I try to find an old Testament verse or sometimes that's not possible, but, uh, new Testament verses, I want to try to get at least two of them if possible. So that's what you should try to do. Um, define unknown words based on the original language and context. So if you just look up something on dictionary.com, those are good. And sometimes I use that, or even if you find synonyms, that's okay. But if you want to know exactly the context of how a specific word was used, it's best to go back to the original language. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Scholars say that the New Testament was written first in Greek. So those are the two languages you want to go back and look at. And so number five, you want to check to see after you've done that, you check cross references, you've looked at words, um, see if you have additional questions. Okay. And then that's when you would use a commentary. Now you want to be spiritually led when you're, you're looking at commentaries. I mean, because there's some that are out there that you're like, okay, right. What in the world? So be led on that. I have a few, um, I like, I've seen, I haven't seen anything in balance. I like the life application commentary, but it's based on the new Testament. Um, only the one that I have. And then there are a few, you can find again, Bible hub, um, blue letter Bible, uh, I believe also has commentaries. And I think Bible gateway, you can get commentaries if, but I think you have to have a subscription. I'm not sure. So you've done all that. And then you want to go ahead and you want to reread the verse after you've done all that and say, okay, now, Holy Spirit, now do I understand? And then if you still don't understand, go ahead and jot your question down in a journal and then just wait for revelation and you will see that God will bring that answer to you. So then after reading the verse, if the verse is ministering to you, stop and listen for what the scripture is saying to you. And then if you're led by the Holy Spirit, stop and, and pray the verse specifically for your life. You know, you read something like, um, let's say you read in 1 Corinthians 13 and it says, love is not rude. Love is patient. Love is kind. And then you stop and you say, Father, I recognize that I am not here. I am not at the standard that you are, are hoping for me to be. Lord, help me not to be rude. Help me to be kind. Help me to be patient and long-suffering, 
right? So you see, I'm just, I'm taking that word. I'm not just reading it and skimming over it and checking it off as, oh, you know, this is part of my one-year Bible plan, but I'm actually allowing that the word, like the Holy Spirit, thank you, it says the sower sows the word right? It takes root in him. The ones that are cast aside are the ones where the seed falls on rocky ground and among thorns, right? So we don't want that to happen. So that's why we go through this process. And then if needed, write down a revelation, write down a personal application for that scripture, write down, you can reword the scripture in your journal so that it makes sense to you. So those are the eight steps I've shared with you to engage God's word. Let's continue. So we're going to go ahead and continue part two of John chapter 15. If you were hearing this part and you haven't heard part one, I would suggest you just stop this video and go back to part one. So we ended in uh, what area were we actually in when we got done? We were right in here with no greater love. So we're going to continue that around verses 13 through 15, and then we'll continue on to the end uh, where it ends at verse 27. So with that said, let's just jump straight in. Again, as we've done previously, go ahead and just highlight with me, lay down his life for his friends. And you can even number these friends, friends. So that's three times we've seen friends. Okay. And then it says, chosen you and ordained you. Highlight that. Go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Highlight that. And then whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So let's go ahead and read together. Verse 13. Remember, we're going through those eight steps. You can go back to the previous video if you want to see that. That's just where we actually read the actual verse. And then we look to see if we under, we check our understanding to see if we understand the verse. We do some research. We find cross references. We look at commentaries. You know, we might write a prayer. We might pray out loud. Um, we might write a revelation. So there's a lot to engaging in his word. And again, if you want to look at the first video so you can actually see those steps. So let's start with verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Let me just stop there. I, I just stopped there when I read it. Greater love. I love the song by um, Fred Hammond that says, um, there is no greater love, um, no greater love than the one you have for me, Lord. So I, I don't want to keep saying it because I'll start saying it. But anyway, verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. You know, I just have to sing that one verse of you knowing it just says, there is no greater love. No greater love than the one you have for me, Lord. Sorry, had to get it out. All right, check it out by greater, by, it's called No Greater Love by Fred Hammond. All right, it says verse 14, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Okay, look at that con condition, if ye do. He said, he's defining for us. He's saying, my friends are the people who do what I tell them to do. 
Verse 15, you know, and I think about back in the day, we, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend. Really? I mean, I'm just, let's just say some person A is living like a hot mess. And then we're singing, um, I'm a friend of God. Okay. Not saying that we have to be perfect. So let me not put that out there. Okay. Verse 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not. Sorry, y'all. I had to pause for a second. I felt a little Judge Judy coming out. So let me let me stay back on track, okay? Because God loves us all. We're not a mess in his eyes, but we are. In order to have that friendly, close relationship with God, we do want to do our best to do what he commands and what he's asking us to do. All right, verse 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. I love that. For all things that I've heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Look at that. Look at that. That's, you know, that, that made me pause right there because he's saying, I've made these things known unto you. So when we think about reading uh, his word, he's trying to make some things known unto us. And then verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you so that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. And so we need to know that we're chosen. There are some things that God has ordained for us to do. Okay, and then look at this. He's also saying, I lay down my life because I call you my friends. I've chosen you. I've ordained you. Why? Not just for a title, but that we go and that we bring forth fruit. Why? And we want that fruit to remain. That whatsoever that we ask in the father's name, what's in his will, he's ready. He's willing to give it to us. That's the kind of God we serve. So let's just look at this. Remember, we look at the revelations that God's given us while we're reading. We research by looking at cross-references or commentaries. So let's look at verse 14, friends. Again, here we see another conditional statement. Christ has a qualifying standard. We are his friends when we do what he commands. Remember his statement in Matthew 12, 50. I mean, this one was rough for me to read because it said, I'm paraphrasing. They were saying, well, you know, Jesus, your mother and your brother and your sister. And he responds, who are my mother, my brother and sister? And he's saying, he, these are the ones, 1250, for whoever may do the will of my father who is in, in the heavens, he is my brother. He is my sister. He is my mother. So Christ only has a personal relationship with those who do the will of his father. That's who he considers part of his family. And that's who he considers his friends. And it says, look at that phrase. I have called you friends. I've admitted you into a state. Oh, I love this. Of the most intimate fellowship with myself. Look at that intimate and have made known unto you whatsoever I've heard from the father, which in your present circumstances, it was necessary for you to be instructed in. 
I don't know about you, but there's been some things that it was necessary for the father to instruct me in. And I'm so grateful for the intimate, go ahead, if you want to write that down in your Bible, the intimate fellowship that he allows and gives me the privilege to experience. And that was from Adam Clark. Now let's look at verse 16, where he had wrote, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. So again, there are a lot of people, if we look around in the world that they're doing, it would appear as by the world standards, great things, but without Christ, that fruit won't remain. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of Lazarus and the rich man. He enjoyed all the things that he had on earth, all the material wealth. But at the end, that didn't count for nothing. My parents would say, my mother would say, honey, you can't take it with you in the grave. You can't put it in that coffin, right? And so we're looking for the things that will remain, the things that God counts as worthy. And then he, again, remember that colon? Remember how we said we don't rush through that colon? He tells us why. This is why. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, that he gives it to you, just see the love of God. That I, I want the Father to be glorified through you. Right? And then the phrase, ye have not elected me as your teacher. I have called you to be my disciples, witnesses, and depositories of the truth. My goodness. Now that's a phrase. Go ahead and take your highlighter pen. I know you don't have this, but I want you to take note of that. Witnesses and depositories of the truth, right? We are here not just to receive the truth, but so that we can deposit the truth in others. And then check this out. It says it was customary among the Jews for every person to choose his own teacher, but not with Christ. He says, you don't choose me. I chose you. And then we look at the phrase and ordained you. Rather, I've appointed you. The word in Greek here is I have put or placed you, come on, in the vine. And I've put you specifically in the vine to bear fruit, to bring glory to the vine dresser. And that I want you to bear more fruit so that I will purge, you will go through the sanctification process. And while you're doing that and learning of me, you will be a witness and depositor of the truth in others. Come on. And that's by Adam Clark. We thank God for it, for that. So think about fruit, right? Bearing fruit. Here's some cross references to shared light. First John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. Then it says again, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me, to me in heaven and in earth. This is Matthew 28, 18, 19. Go ye therefore. Now, come on. This is, this is listed here to show us what kind of fruit. You know, we know we have the fruit of love, kindness, peace, joy. But what other kind of fruit is he talking about? 19, he's telling the disciples and us, go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Right. And then Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is for us all. Now we might not be called to be the, the priest in the, in the, in the baptismal pool, actually putting them in water, but we may be part of the body of Christ where we're sitting at work at our cubicle and we're teaching and we're witnessing the gospel to our coworker, which then leads them to the preacher in, uh, at the church who's going to baptize them in the water. That's why we are all called the, the body of Christ. So verse 16, one of the appointments for all of us is to bear fruit. There are multiple ways to bear fruit, but one of the most important instructions he left all of us is this. Again, we, we, we reiterate Mark 16, 15 through 20, preach the gospel to every creature. And then he talks about the baptism. And then let's look here at 16. It says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, remember, we got to go and we got to consider the whole counsel of God. We also know now that if it's in your power, yes, you should be baptized. It's a symbolic um, gesture of what has taken place in your life. Now, if we go to the thief on the cross, Today, Jesus said to, to him, this day you shall be with me in paradise. He didn't have an opportunity to be baptized, right? So bap, to, to, so we see an instance where he was not baptized, but he was saved. But we see instances where Jesus was baptized, where John the Baptist was baptizing. So with, with everything in our power, we, we go get baptized. But if there's circumstances and situations, there are people who are in hospitals, that they might not be able to have that opportunity. Okay, so let's continue. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Now notice it doesn't say he that doesn't aren't baptized. It says the one who don't believe shall be damned. Then verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Now here it is, his part of that fruit. In my name, casting out devils. You know, we don't talk about that much, but I won't pivot. It's just, let's just read it. And then it says, they shall speak with, here it is, new tongues. So for all of those who say, well, you know, in Acts chapter two, that was just languages. Okay. Well, it says new tongues. So you have to read up on your own where Paul talks about speaking in tongues and uh, a heavenly language and not speaking unto men, but unto God. So I'm not going to enter into that debate right here. We're just looking at the fruit, casting out devils, preaching the gospel, teaching, witnessing, speaking, um, in your heavenly, heavenly language, you might be interceding for somebody in a heavenly language. God might put you in Africa and a supernatural gift comes upon you and you can speak their native language. Okay. So let's continue. Verse 18, they shall take up serpents. Now, so semicolon is not saying we just willingly, we do. Thank you. Holy spirit. Like Paul, he was minding his business and he, and a snake bit him. You know, we don't willingly like the crocodile hunter or whatever, go out there trying to pick up serpents because then we're testing the Lord. And it says, and if they drink any deadly thing again, not intentionally, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick fruit. 
fruit, fruit, and they shall recover. Get away from those people who are saying, oh, those gifts ain't, you know, those gifts, that gifts ain't, okay, those gifts ain't applicable today. Okay. All right. Don't be convinced of that foolishness. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat. I love this. He sat. Come on, y'all. Let's, let's highlight together. I, I don't know what it is about that, that I always just love seeing that. And sat on the right hand of God. The tomb is empty, right? The tomb is empty. And then verse 20, and they went forth and preached who they, the disciples, and we're included in that body of Christ. We're looking at the fruit preached everywhere. The Lord, I love it. Working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And that's what we want. We don't want to be going out on our own. We want the Lord working with us. We want the Lord to confirm the word with signs following. So here's a note. The mistake we often make is that we, this is my personal revelation. The mistake we often make is that we can delegate this only, or we try to delegate this only to those in church positions and have specific callings, i.e. the fivefold ministry gifts, apostles, pastors, right? Evangelists, teachers, right? All of those. Am I missing one? Apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers. What am I missing y'all? Look it up. I'm sorry. I am missing one. And I will remember it as soon as I get off of this, or maybe I'll put it down at the bottom of the screen Um, again. And I don't want to pause right now to look it up to see which one I'm missing, but there are five apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers. And I don't know why that one is missing me, uh, leaving me anyways. Okay. You look it up. The gospel is to be spread by all. We just use the gifts he has uniquely given us to accomplish this goal as the body of Christ. So it's not just for the fivefold minister gifts. Why? Why? Because we have an entire world out there. So my question was, okay, well, how many people in the world? Because it says in his word, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's his desire that who shall, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So I want to know, okay, well, how many people are in the world? So we're going to go to this website, this srv1.worldometers.info. You can see it up there. Right now, as we're speaking, as the taping of this, 8 million, I can't even say it fast enough before it changes, 8 million, 27 million, 8 billion, sorry, 8 billion, 27 million, 186,000, 255, 257, 58, see, I can't even say it fast enough. Births today, 170,190 keeps going. Births in this year, 37,231,650. I can't even say it fast enough. Deaths, 85,240,000. Can't say it fast enough. Deaths this year. So if you look here, there's 37,231,000 births and then 18,643,000 who have left, who have, have stood before God. And so we can't, we, we can't afford to rely just on the fivefold ministry gifts to take care. Let's go back. Let's go back. 
8,027,186,000 can't say it fast enough, 300 and something. So that's not left up just to the fivefold ministry gift. That's for all of us to do our part. So now let's read John 15 together, continuing with verses 17 through 20. These things I command you that ye or you all love one another. So here we go. Let's, uh, let's see. Do we highlight that love again, love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you all were of the world, the world would love his own colon. But because you all are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So let's highlight, they will also persecute you. So yes, he's talking to the disciples, but this also still applies to us. We are still commanded because the word, the word of God is alive. You know, what always gets me is because people say, well, you know, they were just talking to the disciples back then. Well, then why did he leave his, his word for us in this, in this year, 2000 years later? He should have just let the word just stay with the disciples then. Cause there's no point in me just reading it because then it becomes just a historical fact, right? So we are still commanded to love one another. God has chosen us out of the world. And when we are taken out of the, when he says out of the world, the scripture says, you know, you're not going to be removed from the physical world, but we were taken from its systems, the way that the world thinks, the things that the world says that are right, that are contrary to God, the things that the world will say to you, okay, do this because it feels good, but that's contrary to God. And he's saying that when you stand for me, the world will hate you and the world will persecute you. Okay. And then that's why he said, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If I went through this, what makes you think you're not going to go through it? Right. And my, my grandmother would say to me, honey, if they talked about Jesus, they will talk about you. That still keeps me to this day. Okay. All right. So here's our research. Jesus was hated from the very beginning. When Jesus was a young child, King Herod sought him out to kill him. That's in Matthew 2, 13 through 16. He was hated at the end when the people rejected him as a savior and called for his crucifixion. If you've seen the Passion of the Christ, one of the scenes I hate is when they bring him before the council um, and they're trying to find witnesses to, to come against him. And it says that they, when Jesus made a remark to the, the high priest, he struck him. Or they talk about him, them spitting in his face. If that's not hate, I don't know what is. Okay. So let's continue. The same world would surely hate those who proclaim allegiance to the crucified Lord. That's us. Jesus wants believers to be distinctive. 
He sets us apart from the world. His choosing and setting us apart makes us holy and helps us grow. Our very separation from the world arouses the world's animosity. The world would prefer that we were like them since we are not. They hate us. That's life application, New Testament commentary. And one of the sad commentaries for me, for you, for any of us, is that when we have the spirit of Christ abiding upon us, and yet we look like the world, you know, my, my relatives would say, mm, right. That what, it, that's a shame for any of us, you, me included, that when we have the spirit of Jesus Christ, divine partakers of his essence and nature created in his likeness and image, that we speak like the world, we dress like the world, we, you know, listen to the same music as the world, cuss like the world, you know, all of that. And then we make justifications for it. You know, this ought not be for me, for you, for any of us. We are, let me just go ahead and just see if I can highlight this. We are separated. Let me go back. We are separated. We, we come, we've come out of that. So it says right here, he sets us apart from the world that we are distinctive, right? We're distinctive. His spirit helps, um, continue to create in us a holy life. It helps us to grow. Okay. And so we know the servant's not greater than the master. If we're seeking for the world's approval, then that it just doesn't line up. It doesn't work. You, we have to know that that's how they view us. And it just is what it is. So verse 19, John four, four through five, ye here, we're using those cross references. Remember the verse eight, we're seeing what else is written. Ye are of God, little children and have overcome them. I, I was listening to y'all. Um, there's a show I like and I forgot her name, but she was Rudy on the Cosby. I forgot. Why am I forgetting her name? But anyways, she said this phrase that I love and I adopted within my faith. And she said to this young lady, she said, you have the power to overcome. And so I'll always remember that we, you, me have the power God in us to overcome. It says, because greater is he, that's where that power is, that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world and the world heareth them. Right? Then John 17, 14, 16, during the high priestly prayer of Jesus, I have given them thy word. He's talking about the disciples. And he also in the same chapter says, I'm not only praying for them, I'm praying for others who will be in, who are part of my fold. So verse 14, I have given them thy word. So he's given us the word and the world hated them. He's going to, they're going to hate us because we are not of the world, even as Christ was not of the world. And then here it is. Jesus says, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world. Cause remember those 8 billion people. He says, but thou should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world. Come on. Even as I am not of the world. 
So that's again, adding more richness to what we've read. So let's read John continuing with verse 21 through 24. But all these, these things, now he's prophesying to the disciples. So some of these things that, you know, that the disciples or the apostles went through, we won't go through those exact things, but we'll have our own. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, we will bear our own cross. We will have to deny our own selves just like they did. Now we're not going to be burned at the stake upside down, hopefully, but there's a cross that we all have to bear. And it says, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, and he's talking about the Pharisees, Sadducees, right? He says they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sins. Now, how does that apply still now? It still applies to us because there's a place where Jesus comes and he allows, I believe, every person to have that opportunity. And he's speaking to that person and he's saying, now, if I hadn't come to them, they wouldn't have no sin. But when I speak to you, cloak, another way for thinking of this is they don't have no excuse for this sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which more no, none other man did, he's talking about all the works, the healings, everything that he, everything that he did, they had not had sin. So in other words, saying, well, if they, you know, I wouldn't judge them if they didn't see the miracles and the works that I perform. And then colon. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. That's how he views it when there's unbelief or rejection of who he is. He sees it as hate. Continuing on verse 21, here's the cross reference. So let's highlight this. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. And why do they do it? Because they know not him that sent me. They don't know the father. So sometimes that persecution you're getting at work, sometimes that those hard times that you're having in your family, sometimes those things that you go through, right? It's, it's not that the Lord is an author of evil. It's those people who don't know him that are doing things to Christians in all parts of the world because we want to bear his name. So verse John 16, three, and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the father nor me. That's very similar to 21. There is bearing witness and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Revelation two and three and has born and has patience and, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. That's a letter written to one of the churches in Revelation. And that's encouragement for us to have patience for his name's sake and that we labor and that we do not faint. Okay. Those are extra cross references. Here's a revelation looking at that verse again. It says, if I had not done among them the works, which none other man did, they wouldn't have no sin. So I'm thinking, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of the, of the verse that talks about others in the world. When we, if a person rejects person, a rejects Christ, he's saying that I bear witness in my creation. If the creation is not speaking to you, then you just don't want to know. 
right? The grass, the wind, the bird. They said their species we haven't even discovered in the ocean, right? How a butterfly gets from one place to the next that we have no cloak or we have no excuse for our sin, for the sin of rejecting the father. If a person's an atheist or all the other isms that comes after that, not believing the son, not believing that he rose again, they are without a cloak. They are without an excuse because the creation itself bears witness that we have a supreme father. So verse 24, here's my personal revelation. Let's be sure to define hate from Christ's perspective. The greatest sin of unbelievers is that they reject all that the father has provided through the son. Their rejection of Christ indicates that he is not worthy to be believed. A lack of belief in all that Christ has said and done. According to the word, this is the same as hating the father and the son. So here we go. Look at these uh, additional scriptures. Romans 1:20. for the invisible things. That's what I just got through talking about of him from the creation of the world by the things made being understood. Come on, are plainly seen, you know, both his eternal power and Godhead to their being inexcusable that no cloak. I think about, you know, when I I have a little puppy and my puppy, I mean, just looking at his limbs and his legs and just sometimes how he looks at you or sometimes how dogs know when you're upset and when you're sad. I mean, how could I not look at that created being, which is an animal who knows when I call him, he knows to come. When I say sit, he knows to sit. That there wasn't a higher power that created him. Okay. I can't help you. <laughs> you know, God can't help us if we, what does it say in his word? A stiff neck, hard hearted generation. Not you. I'm not talking about the people on the side of my voice. You're not that, but I'm talking about the world. Okay. It says, according to Christ, there is no excuse. He has given us the ability to see his hand in all of creation. Creation testifies to the goodness and the power of the Godhead. Now we're finishing up verses 25 through 27. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in the law. What comes in the past? What is he saying? That they hate me. So before I get going, highlight they hated me without a cause. That means without a reason. Highlight when the comforters come. Highlight I will send unto you from the Father. Highlight proceedeth from the Father. He shall testify of me. And highlight ye also shall bear witness. Now let's read. They hated me without a cause. But when the comforter, and let me go back, this is a, um, from, I think, I believe a Psalm. I don't think I, I wrote that one down, but he's saying that the word that was written in the law, that that had to be fulfilled. And then he says, but when the comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the father. So I always know the Holy spirit, the comforter came from the father, even the spirit of truth. That's another name for him. Comforter spirit of truth, 
which proceeded from the father, what shall he do? He shall testify of me. And then he says, and you not only will the Holy Spirit testify of me, you shall bear witness that I am who I say I am. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. When he asked Moses, Moses said, who shall I say he was bearing witness has sent me and God says to him, tell him I am has sent you sent you. I am that I am. And he tells them in the verse, this shall be my name forever. So we have a lot going on about the name of God. You got to do your own research. To me, my research tells me his name is Jehovah now and forever to all generations. Okay. And I won't get in that. Maybe on another video, we'll get into do your own research. Okay. But we are bearing witness. Let me get back. We are bearing witness along with the Holy Spirit. That's back to that 8 billion people and our fruit. Are we bearing witness to the fact that Christ is who he says he is? So let's look at the definition of hate. It says they hated me without a cause. You know, I think about when he was standing before all those who were persecuting him at that time. He's saying, tell me, I'm paraphrasing, tell me what I'm charged with. Tell me what I'm charged with. Because I did things openly. So what is it that you're, that you're charging me with? And then they had to come home, come and find two witnesses to say, this man said that he would destroy the temple. Okay. So let's look at hate. Hate the transliteration in English is M-I-S-E-O, to hate. That's a verb. It means, the, is, how is it used? Detest, to love less, to esteem less. And then we look at that word, 3404, M-I-S-E-O, is again, to detest, to denounce. That's what an atheist does. To love someone or something less than someone or something else. To renounce one choice in favor of another. So if someone chooses not to remain in Christ or chooses to reject Christ, they are hating. Because they are renouncing one choice in favor of another. Okay? That's what he's saying. That, that, that's just what he's saying. I mean, there's no, there's nothing I can add to it or nothing I can take away from that. So let's just take a look again at, um, I have an additional note and I, this is a revelation that I had while studying, believing with the Holy Spirit, showing me these things. Usually it is the age old problem of man. So I want you to think back with me to the garden right where it all started to love. Here's the definition of hate to love someone or something less than someone or something. This is the case of many because they choose to love themselves more than they love Christ. Let me use me before I was saved. I love myself more than I loved Christ. 
I didn't want to yield. I didn't want to submit. Now, you know, I didn't necessarily have uh, a lot of influence growing up or a lot of people coming to me. You know, that's why I rejoice now. I'm just by the grace of God because I didn't have a life where, you know, people were coming and I was in the store and someone said, Hey, you know, I want to talk to you about the gospel. It didn't happen for me like that. Um, but many people it does. Right. But even then, even though I have the Bible, people in my family, I chose um, at that time to just continue to do what I want to do, live my life the way I want to live. I, I was hating God in a sense because I was rejecting him in my life and anyone else who does that. So it says either self is on the throne of a person's life or Christ is. There is no in between. And in Joshua 24, 15, the Holy Spirit reminded me, choose ye this day whom you will serve. That's in Joshua 24 and 15. So hate is not typically the way we think of hate. It's just failing to choose Christ. It's failing to believe him. It's, it's rejecting him and all that he has said or is saying. So let's look at the life application commentary. And this is for the verses 22 through 25. Jesus said that the Jews would not have been guilty of rejecting God if they had not rejected Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh. But since they did reject Jesus, who came to reveal God, the father to all humanity, they had no excuse for their their sin, like that cloak. Their rejection of Jesus caused their sin to be fully exposed because, as Jesus said, anyone who hates me hates my father too. They actually hated the son and father even after seeing the marvelous works Jesus performed. The entire nation should have recognized and responded to the Messiah. Ironically, their own scriptures predicted this rejection and hatred. Jesus knew the hatred fulfilled what the scripture said. There it is. There's that verse I told y'all I didn't write down. You can look at Psalm 69, 4. The Jews had no reason to hate Jesus. He came as their savior, fulfilling their scriptures, doing miraculous signs and promising eternal life to those who believed in him. Yet the people thought they were serving God by rejecting Jesus. When in reality, they were serving Satan. John 8 and 44. And again, that same problem still exists today. So for verse 26, again, we highlight, we highlighted those things when the comforters come and he was sent from the father and he proceeds from the father. He shall testify of me. So here's the commentary for that. A new source of consolation now appears. Already twice over, he has spoken of the paraclete. That's another name for the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, and 26. As being sent by the Father in answer to his prayer to be the compensation to his disciples for his personal departure. Remember, he's praying that the Holy Spirit will come not only to the disciples, but to us. And it says, as the instructor and leader into all truth, once more, he promises great things and mighty aid in their conflict with the world's hate by the mission of the comforter. This great mission is said to be 
his own, Christ's own. So he sent that, the comforter, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside of us for power, for us to be able to stand in that evil day, for us to be able to reject and stand in his power and reject the persecution of the world. He sends the comforter to help us. And that commentary is from what they call the pulpit. So verse 26 through 27 in 1426, Jesus had said that the father would send the counselor, the spirit of truth. The word counselor conveys the helping, encouraging and strengthening work of the spirit as he represents Christ. The spirit of truth points to the teaching, illuminating and reminding work of the spirit. The Holy Spirit ministers to both the head and the heart. Thank you, God. And both dimensions are important. The spirit would come to the disciples and tell them all about him. These disciples were the vital link, just like you and I, between Jesus Christ and all subsequent believers. Now, the apostles held a special place. Now, they've gone on to be with the Lord. And so now as the body of Christ, we're part of that vital link. They would need the Holy Spirit to remind them so that as they preached, taught, and wrote, they would spread the truth to the gospel. The Holy Spirit would see to it that their witness would not be impaired by persecution. Jesus has already forewarned these men about the persecution to come so that they would not be surprised. Same thing for us. This, the disciples would tell others that Jesus is the Messiah. The Holy Spirit would testify by preparing people's hearts and minds, persuading them of the truth of the gospel and enabling them to receive the message. By application, this verse extends to all Christians. All Christians are called to testify of Jesus. Come on, think about that fruit allowing the Holy Spirit to help them through the times of persecution and to remind them of the truth of God's word and work in the hearts and minds of their listeners. That's life application, New Testament commentary. So here are cross references, verse 26. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. Come on, look at this, and shall be in you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, this is John 16, 7, it is expedient for you that I go away. Come on, Father. For if I go not away, thank you, Jesus, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Another cross-reference, how be it? John 16, 13 through 14. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you again into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. So the Holy Spirit is hearing that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Come on. So right here we see he's the spirit of truth. What else does he do? He guides us into truth. 
What else will he do? He, he didn't speak of himself. He's hearing for us and speaking to us and he's showing us things to come. So these are the things that we, we've learned from the Father. And we're grateful. We're so grateful. So just take this time and just pause. You can pause the video. And it's 27 verses. But just take a moment and just know that the Father is with you. He's with you. Again, you can pause the video, put on your own music. And just know that this chapter is a powerful chapter. If you allow the sower, the Holy Spirit, and the living word of God to sow his word deep within you. So we also want to get to a place where we can have personal application. So after reading John 15, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through his word? Are there some things that you learned that you didn't know before? I know I did. I have seen it. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. I saw things that while I was working and doing Bible study with you that I didn't even see before I did all this. So is the Holy Spirit prompting you to make real eternal changes? Do you believe that your life circumstances are enabling you to experience and know the only true God in Jesus Christ? Here's a text coming your way. Here are additional questions. What word or words do you believe the Holy Spirit is or or he is speaking to you? Do you receive them? So it might be one word, it might be multiple words, but are, are you receiving them? Remember, we're engaging with the text. We're not just reading, we're engaging with it. Do you understand them? Remember, we talked about writing writing it down. You can even write in a journal. Father, verse 6, I don't understand. Verse 6, give me more clarity. Do you realize that Jesus Christ is still praying on your behalf? You know, I love the verse where he said, he said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat, but I, the Lord, am interceding for you. He's the same Christ that intercedes and prays for us today. And so even after this video, if you want to take some time to reflect, and you can use your own journals, you can use drawing. I love, they got apps out there now where you can just, I like good notes. I like um, Apple products. I have Freeform and some other things that I just like to sometimes digitally write, sometimes I manually write. So what are your thoughts on this chapter? Do you have any questions? Are there any ideas, words, or phrases you need to study further? What changes do you want the Father to help you to make in your own personal life? And you can just pause the video if you need to right now and just ask Him and and pray about it and ask Him to help you. What strategies or disciplines do you need to incorporate in your daily life? You know, He says, abide in me, my word abide in you. Are there some other, do you need to spend more time in his word? Because his word is alive. He fellowships with us through his word. How can you use your life to glorify the father? And so we're engaging 
socially, I'm asking you to engage socially and just start a conversation or, you know, even if you don't do it socially, social media, you can do it just on your own. Use the hashtag Jesus is the true vine and post on your social media platforms. You can even go over John uh, 15, what you've learned and share this video. Share the word you have learned. It's part of you developing your fruit with your coworkers or with your family. Use this word to, you might want to start a Bible study group. Um, you can use this video or any other videos that you feel uh, led to use. So let's see here. We have our smiley face. So let's see if we have any additional information. So Colossians 3, 23 through 24. And it says, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord, come on, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. So you doing this and developing your fruit and developing in God, there is a reward waiting for you. Not only just the gift of eternal life, you have additional reward. So I hope you subscribe, share, hit the notification bell. Uh, maybe in the future when led, I will turn on comments. Sometimes the comments, um, well, you know, I'll, I'll just leave it at that, that I will turn on the comments at, in a future date. Okay. Um, so let's pray together as we've ended this, we've learned a lot. Um, We've just learned a lot. And so it's beneficial to go back over it if you can. Um, so let's just pray and we seal this up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for it is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. God, most of all, for all of us and for myself, I just want to say thank you for loving us well. Thank you for the love that you've given to, uh, to us. And that you didn't leave us fatherless, God. That we have been adopted. That we can call you Abba Father because of the love that you have given unto us. And you've done it through your son, Jesus Christ. So help us to live a life pleasing unto you. Not just a satisfactory life, but a, a life that's pleasing unto you. And so we thank you, Holy Father, for your revelation. We thank you for your spirit that has guided us into all truth. Where we have lack and we, where we don't know something, we're believing by faith that you will show it to us in your timing. So we thank you for even John the Apostle to pin this out of obedience so that we may in this year know how to live our lives pleasing unto you. And so we bless you, Holy Father, for who you are. We adore you. We magnify you. We love you. Bless the hearers, God, that they become disciples and learners and pupils and that they imitate the teacher, God, that the word abides in them. Your saints abide in them, God, abide in all of us. And thank you for your grace and your mercy so that when we fall short, you are there. Your blood has atoned for our shortcomings. As Paul said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be unto God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Be blessed and amen.